The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. Coming to you live from the Pet Buzz Studios in beautiful Bradenton, Florida, this is the Pet Buzz for the weekend of January 23rd and 24th, 2021. Today on the show, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck talk with Beth Edelman answering your cat's questions. Also, Eric Tournier about how people historically treated their pets after they died. And Dr. Heather Lozner on dog ages and stages. So let's get right into this week's countdown. In segment four, the dynamic pet duo are talking with American Animal Hospital Association's Chief Veterinary Advisor for Professional and Public Affairs, Dr. Heather Lozner, about dog ages and stages. In segment three, Dr. Eric Tournier joins the discussion to talk about the changing views of people after their pets have died. And in segment two, Charlotte gives you the celebrity pet buzz, specifically this week about the inauguration. Stay tuned for that. And in Flex Facts, Dr. Michael Fleck reviews how to conduct research before you go out and buy a pet. And in segment one, cat behaviorist Beth Edelman rejoins the program to answer your cat's most popular questions. So let's kick off the show. Here they are. It's the pet dynamic duo, Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Greetings from the Pet Buzz Studios to everyone out there listening to us today from the Gulf Coast of sunny Florida. Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, we welcome our listeners each week who tune in from around the world to hear the newest and greatest pet 411. That's pet information. You know, our show continues to grow and we always welcome your comments. Um, so don't be shy. Even send pictures of your pets. We would love to see them. So certified cat behaviorist Beth Edelman is back asking your cat's most popular questions. Thanks for joining us today, Beth. Oh, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to ask you the first question. Why should you sit down or take time on National Answer Your Cat Question Day and think about question, think about the questions your cat would be asking you? Listen, it's really hard for us to live with each other, and we're the same species. How much harder? <laughs> Especially during the pandemic when we're stuck yes. together all the time. <laughs> Wait, I want a high five for that, Dr. Fleck. High five. We're, we can't even figure out where we're going to go for my birthday. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's even harder for, for beings of dish, different species to live together. And, and taking a moment to stop and say, Hey, honey, what's up? <laughs> it's even more important for your cat than it is for your significant other. This sassy Beth. This sassy Beth is funnier than regular Beth. Beth doesn't sound like she's been cooped up too long, no, does she? But you know what they say? When you change your hair, you change your attitude. 
Okay. Okay, I got a question. You have a question. I got a question from Hayden of Bradenton, Florida. I he, wonder. I wonder who he knows. I wonder who he does. He meows. I love you, but why can't you tell me when I'm tired of your petting and cuddling me and doing that all the time? Yeah, cats. They go from like I love you to. <laughs> you know, in, in a nanosecond. And we need to pay attention because there's always a warning sign. We think they're biting without warning, but it's not the case. There's always a warning sign. There's a little change in body language or a little vocalization. Often it's very small. There's like a ripple on the skin by the shoulder or the tail twitch or the whiskers come forward. That's one we don't see a lot or the ears change uh, direction. And when you see that, it's time to just take your hands away. The cats have had enough. Stop <laughs> in the name of love. <laughs> exactly. OK, so go ahead. You had another question. I, and, and by the way, I can identify with that when we're examining cats in the exam room. Oh, my gosh. The unpredictability there really is challenging, too. So Lucky Felix of Brooklyn writes, I grew up in the streets. Why don't you just let me go outside even just for a little bit? Hey, Felix, I live in Brooklyn as well, and those streets are tough, let me tell you. <laughs> so, you know, you don't go out in the street because it's full of cars and it's full of people who are throwing things at you and broken glass and poison things in the garbage and all that. If you want to go outside, you need to stay in your backyard, and that means that your mom and dad need to set up that backyard so you stay in there so tough cats don't come in to get at you and you don't go out to get in, into trouble. I think that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. and, and there's nothing wrong with outdoor, outdoor exercise as long as it's confined. I mean, Hayden goes in our backyard and he has definite confines and he's under supervision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he doesn't leave the yard. He's afraid to. He's just, you know, he's a wuss. He's a retired <laughs> with numerous trophies and ribbons. So, <laughs> I mean, even though it was a long time ago, but he's just, he's like, I am too fluffy to be socializing, fraternizing with Bradenton street urchins. Okay. I love this one. Minnesota fats. Guess where he's from? Minnesota. Mm, okay. He pens this question for you. Beth, why do I need a diet? I enjoy eating. Why reduce my intake and substitute that low calorie rabbit food? Well, Minnesota fats, you know that the best diet for cats is actually paleo. So that's uh, high protein, low carb. And yeah, you, you gotta have that really good diet. You gotta be a svelte and gorgeous feline body weight because if you don't, you're pre you are predisposed to things like arthritis, and diabetes and other health problems that are going to prevent you from jumping up on the couch, which I know you want to do. Right. So Minnesota fats, it's time for you to slim down, baby. Right. <laughs> OK. Lastly, how can our listening audience celebrate National Cat Answer Your Questions Day? Well, two ways. The first is to really spend some time watching your cat really get to know your cat, their individual body language, their individual meows, really get to know them. Where do they like to hang out? What are they telling you? What do they like to do? And then the other thing I would suggest is read a book or listen to a podcast, you know, try to learn something new about cats. This is a good day to just make an effort to learn one new thing about cats so that you and your cats can understand each other better. 
<laughs> I think that's great advice from sassy Beth Edelman, certified cat behavior. Hey, Beth, thanks for joining us today and answering all of our feline listening audience questions. But if you have any more cat questions for Beth, please write to us, team at thepetboss.com, and include your name, your cat's name, and send us a picture. Pick. Yeah. Yeah, a pet pic. But don't forget to include your cat's questions too, and we'll make sure that we provide you with an answer on the upcoming shows. I hope she writes as sassy <laughs> as she was on today's uh, interview call. Yeah, she needs to get out, doesn't she? Well, mm. no, she's she's uh, she. You know what? So I that's the one thing I don't have to worry about. She has lots and lots of stuff to keep her busy. Yeah, she is not sitting around baking sourdough bread and cleaning out her closet. She probably did that like the first week of the pandemic. She's uh, <laughs> learning new things, including Swedish and everything else. Okay. Well, everyone, that was certified cat behaviorist Beth Edelman answering your cat's questions. I really did like that Minnesota Fats. That was a cute name. To learn more about Beth, visit Beth Edelman. That's B-E-T-H-A-D-E-L-M-A-N dot wixit.com okay. up next the celebrity pet buzz and flex facts you don't want to miss these you gotta stay tuned we'll be back in a buzz worthy minute you are listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist charlotte reed and veterinarian dr michael fleck we would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. <laughs> I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears but not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention 
attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, let's kick off our segment with celebrity pet news. This is the Celebrity Dish. The White House once again has wagging tails in residence now that Joe Biden has been inaugurated this past Wednesday. Before the official inauguration, Joe Biden's German Shepherd Major will have his own celebration coined inauguration. Major is making presidential history as the first shelter dog in the White House. Now, that's not to be confused with Abraham Lincoln's dog, Fido, who was a street dog. Hmm. But he wasn't, quote unquote, a shelter dog. Gotcha. Okay, so to commemorate Delaware Humane Association, where Major was adopted from and Pumpkin Pet Insurance have hosted a virtual ceremony last Sunday afternoon, January 17th. And it was a Zoom event. Virtual attendees donated about $10 or more to get a link to the ceremony. Proceeds have gone to the animal shelter. And if you want to watch the doguration of Major Biden, you can go to YouTube and check it out for free. Wonderful. Yeah. And now what everyone's been waiting for. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. Flex Facts. Got to hear it, Dr. Flex. So what are we going to talk about today? Why is it important to conduct pet research before bringing a new dog, cat, or other animal into your home? Great topic. I know that's one of your biggest complaints from week to week. You're always surprised that people do not do enough research on their pets, right? It's it's my pet peeve, and it's also my staff's pet peeve with people coming into the practice, not only just with a with a young pet, but with a pet that maybe they've adopted from the shelter or from a rescue group. Or even bought uh, from a store, right? Or especially if they bought from a store. Yes, those are very challenging. What was disturbing to me is, is that when we start talking about the health of the individual and what's the general health, preventative medicine, general care for them, lifestyle that they need to adopt for their pet because that pet's becoming part of the family. Or they don't even know anything about their breed, right? They don't know anything about the breed. They don't know anything about nutrition, but they can know these things if before they bring that pet into the home, they do just a little research. And there are a number of wonderful sites that they can go to for that research. Okay. So we talked about why it's important to conduct pet research before bringing a new pet home. Specifically, and you talked about, you know, obviously breed research. I know one of your biggest pet peeves or complaint about this topic is they don't even know basic pet care. How many times to feed their puppy? They don't know how many times to feed their puppy. They don't know how much to feed their puppy. They don't know what quality of food that they should be feeding their puppy. And those are all important features for the development of that puppy. So it's going to live a longer life, a quality of life, because whether they care or not, they're going to care so much about that pet as it moves along in life. And we know now 
with some of our interviews with some of our experts that there's five stages in the life of a pet. They should know about each one of those stages. Right. Well, you know what I always say to Dr. Fleck when I hear this is that if they're going to buy a new car, they do some research. So if they're going to buy a puppy, why don't they do the research? Plus, when they do go to the professional, when they go to the veterinarian, the veterinary offices, when we when we explain to them about what they need is health protection. You're, but you're assuming all vets are going to explain. I'm not ragging on vets, but everybody is not like you. Well, when we talk about preventative medicine. Yes. That's really so important because pets live a different life than what we do hygienically. Mm -hmm. They're outside with their nose in the ground. Sniffing other dogs. Sniffing butts. other things. And they got no, no socks or shoes on and they're walking around in the dirt. So they can and then pick on up our things. kitchen floor, then they bring it into our kitchen. floor. Right. So, yes, you're that's very important because we have to worry about are they going to bring in something that's going to affect us and the family? I think that's good. So it's it's, you know, later on in the show, we're going to talk to Dr. Heather Lozner and she's going to give us what I call the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. Which is looking at a dog's life. And I hope that people listen to that because they're each stage of life is important mm -hmm. for them to recognize not only for the health of the individual, but also for how the care, the life and leisure and the involvement. With yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised, for example, when, you know, one of my good friends, Annie, uh, her dog, Rudy, is my, you know, one of my God dogs. I have so mm -hmm. many of them now. Mm -hmm. And I always I always know Rudy goes to the groomer and she never checks the nails and Rudy's nails are long and they need to be cut. They need to be cut. They, they, they need to be cut, not because they're going to be scratching you so much, but because if they're, if they're too long. It'll change the way that the pet walks and that'll change the ligaments and the tendons and they right. can become pulled and stretched and and cause issues for later right. on in life for, for his walking. So you're basically saying, like, if you're getting a dog, you need to do the breed research. Or if you have a mixed breed dog or a designer breed dog, you need to do some basic research. Now, I know you're not a proponent of necessarily Dr. Google, but it's easy to go online and do some research and you can always find some good websites. Right. Absolutely. And learn about pet care. Absolutely. And learn about grooming needs and learn about life stages and what you can expect from a puppy and even in terms of behavior. Yes, and to talk about behavior and attitudes, when 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 you do bring your puppy or your new pet to the veterinarian, you're asking for their professional opinion. And when they bring that opinion to you, you really need to take that seriously, not as a challenge to your pocketbook, but as a challenge to what's in the best interest of that pet. And so don't fight us all the time about when we, we say, look, we got, we've got the COVID-19 now. A good example that many of the diseases that we've had before as pandemics in pets that we didn't realize as people that they were pandemics, like parvovirus. Mm -hmm. All right. We've conquered that with vaccinations. And we want to maintain that there's, the parvovirus is, is more or less eradicated. But we have to continue to vaccinate. Right. But also, I think that one of the challenges is if you don't have any money, don't get a pet. Amen. Because it's expensive. The pet needs medical care at these various different stages. It has definite ailments. The and the other thing too is that, and I know you know we we had this discussion a few weeks ago when I talked about how you cut ties with your vet. I know that wasn't one of your favorite subjects because it is your profession, but at the same point. You know, if you do some research, you can find good groomers out there. You can find good veterinarians out there. You can find good pet sitters and pet and dog walkers. And you out mentioned there. the monetary part of this. That's what your responsibility is. That's part of it. Other that, 
separate, taking care of the pet, paying for its care, making sure but it has- looking at what expenses are, you can you need right. to research to find out the abilities that you have to pay for the needs that that pet right. has. What resources do you suggest that our listening audience utilize to learn more about breeds and pet care? Well, like just as you said, you know, most veterinarians know that Dr. Google's there and it usually is a challenge to us and in, in persuading people to do the right thing medically. But Dr. Google, yeah, fetch.com and the two best sources that I can think of, the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association has a website and it's designed for the pet owner. Yeah. You can go there. I think these are all important things. You got anything else to talk about? That's all the flex facts for the week. If you have a question for Dr. Fleck, we want you to email him at team at the or you can even leave a message on 888-286-6475 and we might even play your question on the air. Also, keep on listening to learn more about that canine ages and stages. That's going to come up right after our next segment. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Well, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to say it all the time. We're urban. Suburban. And, and country. country. So let's kick off this segment with my I likey of the week. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. This week I want to bring attention to licking mats. Lick mats are a type of enrichment toy for dogs and cats, like kind of like puzzle toys. These mats come in a variety of shapes and sizes, and the concept is designed for you to apply a pet-friendly snack like peanut butter, soft banana, or even yogurt to the mat to encourage your dog or cat to lick it up. Simply smear food over the mat and give it to your pet. Because of the flat design, your pooch will not be able to lift the food with his teeth. Instead, she or he has to use his tongue to remove every last schmear of the tasty treat. These mats have dozens of shapes and grooves built into the lick mat that extend your pet's snack time, offering the feeling of having to hunt and problem solve for their food. By putting food into the grooves on the mat, pet owners are helping to cure their pet's boredom, slow down their consumption time, and provide stimulation that they don't often receive when eating from a regular bowl. 
You know, licking mats provide a fun challenge for your pup to enjoy their food in a new and I guess you could say exciting way. One thing to keep in mind, though, is if you have a chewer, he or she should never be left unattended while enjoying their enriching new treat. Once their snack has been consumed from the mat, dogs who chew are known to continue on and keep chewing the mat itself. So make sure to take their licking mat up once they finish their snack to prevent any chewing of the lick pad itself. And uh, our next guest is uh, joining us today. A new study of more than a thousand pet gravestone reveals that since the time of the first burial, our relationship with our furry friends has changed dramatically with many pets transforming from mere friends to full-fledged members of our family. Over time, pets were more likely to be memorialized with the family name referred to as children and even given figurative passages to heaven. So joining us to talk about this particular topic in death of our pets and how we memorialize them is Newcastle University's zoo archaeologist, Dr. Eric Tournier. Um, Eric is fine as well. Okay, Dr. Eric. Um, So Dr. Eric, what prompted you to do this study? Um, Well, so as an archaeologist, uh, we've long recognized the value of human cemeteries um, to give us insights on the past. So like human cemeteries, you know, there's loads of information on there, not just about who died in in terms of what information is on each grave, but you get clues about what people thought about the afterlife, what people thought about their relationships with one another in life, um, various things like that. And there's loads of symbolism on the gravestones as well. So I thought to myself, well, why can't we, if, we, if we're doing this with human cemeteries, why can't we look at pet cemeteries to track changing human-animal relationships over time? And that's really cool. I mean, I, you know, I actually like cemeteries and I've been to a few cemeteries and I grew up with one of the oldest cemeteries nearby where I lived. Uh, it was Hartsdale Cemetery mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, I think Checkers Nixon is buried there as well as some other pets. Um, but, you know, I, I find it really interesting um, because I think, like you said, they say so much. I mean, sociologically, culturally, um, financially uh, about the people who, in fact, uh, bury their pets. So now, did you primarily look at cemeteries in the UK? Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to do was you know, is my theory correct? Do these cemeteries actually reveal changing relationships over time? So I looked at cemeteries in the UK where I'm, I'm currently based, and I looked at them over the past 100 year, over a hundred year period, starting with the very first public pet cemetery in the UK, but also sort of in the, in the Western world, which, which was established in 1881. And where is that cemetery? It's in central London. It's in Hyde Park, if you're familiar with uh, London geography. It's hidden in a corner away from public view because there's just it's just this actually it's a fun story if I have time to tell the story of how it was started yeah so it's um it started in 1881 when the owner of a dog named Cherry Cherry passed away and the owner of this dog um, approached the local the park keeper saying can we bury Cherry in the park where he loved to spend most of his time and the park keeper said uh yeah no problem I I actually have you know, his own property was on the park and he has a, he had a private back garden and he buried Cherry in the, in the back garden. And then over the years, uh, over a thousand pets ended up being buried in that back garden. Um, so there's this hidden little pet cemetery just outside of public view. There's about 500 
gravestones, just tiny little gravestones toppling over and, and one piled on top of another. So it's a very, very interesting site. So now what did your early research reveal in terms of the human relationships that pet owners had with their pets? Uh, multiple things. Uh, it revealed about changing relationship in life. So the early gravestones, they refer to pets as, as pets or as companions, as friends. And then as you fast forward, you know, sort of World War II era, they start to become members of the family. Uh, they get surnames attached to their, their name and they get, you know, the people signing off at the bottom. They're no longer, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Winnebridge, they're mom and dad. Mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, that's sort of one big trend, the arrival of surnames and, and mom and dads. Um, the other one is, you know, where do pets go in the afterlife? In 19th century London, it would have been very controversial to say your pet was going to heaven because that's tied into the question of whether or not animals have souls. And that was right. a bit controversial. Um, so those gravestones, you know, they don't say much about an afterlife. They might hope um, for an afterlife. So there's one gravestone, for example, that said, could I think we'd meet again and would lighten half my pain? So there is a bit of ambiguity. Again, fast forward to the 20th century and all of a sudden you see Christian symbolism on loads of gravestones or crosses and things like that. And statements like, God bless until we meet again. So people are, are more certain about not only are people more certain about what's happening in the afterlife, but they're not afraid to say so. Yeah. And, and I would think, you know, realistically, because uh, Queen Victoria was such a big pet lover and Prince Albert, you know, when he actually came to the UK to be available, um, he brought his dog, mm. he brought his dogs, his hunting dogs and dogs were, you know, a, a big companion for both of them, whether they were hunting or whether they were just companionship. I mean, we know that Queen Victoria's only friend as a child was Dashie. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. I would think that that would have some play on the, I guess you could say the accumulation of pets. I mean, before people would have one pet, whether it was work or uh, an animal working in the factory or going to yeah. work with it. But I mean, she accumulated quite a lot of pets during her lifetime and, and the Brit had them painted. Yeah. And the British aristocracy were the first to have pet cemeteries, you know, in, in the gardens of all these castles and, and fancy country houses, you get pet cemeteries that predate the first public ones. And of course the first public one in London is in the middle of the richest part of London. So these aren't, sure. these aren't the poor who, who are, are burying their pets. So you can tell that there's probably some influence from British aristocracy. I mean, I think almost everyone I know just assumes they're going to see their pet again. You know, it's interesting. We say rainbow bridge. That's like mm. purgatory for pets. <laughs> That's kind of how I think about it. You know, it's like a big, it's many football fields. The dogs go, they kind of wait for you. Okay. So I can't wait for your next study. Thank you very much. I mean, did you start? No, not yet. Uh, with the with the COVID and everything, everything's on pause. So I'm hoping uh, next summer. Can we even wait that long? It's so exciting. I know. I know. I, know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, seriously, I mean, here the United States, as you know, is just it's just so crazy. I definitely am going to look for your study. But before I let you go, please give me a website. 
Yeah, I don't have a, like a personal website or anything, but if you Google do all pets go to have an antiquity journal. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Tournier, for joining us. It really was a pleasure having you visit with us discussing your interesting and, and thoughtful research. I thought that was a great interview, everybody. And, uh, you know, we love our pets in life and in death. Um, and I can attest to that. And Dr. Tournier reminds us that with his historic research, well, like I said, up next, learn more about canine ages and stages. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. You know, you're listening to the best in Pet Talk Radio. This is the Pet Buzz. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. And now for the Global Pet News segment with so many people leaving major metropolitan cities like New York, Chicago, and L.A., we have good news from Florida, specifically the Gulf Coast of the state. The third largest state, that is. Tampa has been named the best city in the U.S. for dogs. The pet food company Honest Paws recently announced its ranking for the best and worst dog-friendly cities in the country. The survey looked into a number of factors, including pet-friendly restaurants, pet-friendly breweries, hotels, and beaches. Tampa was named the best due to its 15 dog parks, 52 pet-friendly breweries, and six dog-friendly beaches nearby allowing dogs to frolic in the water and roam off leash. The number of dog parks, hiking trails, and veterinarians were also considered. Other Florida cities ranked in the top 10 were Orlando and Miami. Thinking about moving, consider Tampa, Florida. Other factors to consider are the job market in Tampa is growing. There's no state income tax and houses are relatively inexpensive. School districts are large and diverse. But it's important to know that transportation can be a nightmare at the wrong times. It seems as if our next guest is waiting to join us. From precious pups to elderly matriarch, your dog will express different needs at each life stage. As with human relationships, ups and downs are guaranteed throughout the years together. But knowing what to expect will keep you one step ahead of the pack, especially when it comes to pet health. And joining us today to talk about canine life stages is American Animal Hospital Association's chief medical officer, Ooh. Dr. Heather Losner. Cheers, Dr. Losner. Welcome to the Pet Buzz today. Thank you so much. I've got my coffee, so I've got a different kind of buzz on, but I'm always happy to talk about pets. So thanks well, you'll for having me. You'll be awake to tell us what's happening, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So can you please identify for us the various different canine life stages? And tell us, 
what focus and pertinent factors dog owners should need to be aware of? Absolutely. Well, I want to start by saying that um, it's really not super cut and dry because we have so many different breed differences. And I know we're going to talk about this throughout our, our time together today. But um, puppies are, are relatively straightforward, but it starts to get a little muddled after that. So stick with me here. So a puppy, what um, AHA has defined is from when they're born until when they stop rapidly growing. Now that varies between different types of breeds, but it's roughly around six to nine months of age where they stop really doing that really rapid growing where you blink and suddenly they seem to be two inches taller and, and uh, an extra five pounds heavier. Then you have the young adult, and this is from the time they stop doing that rapid growth until social and physical maturity. Now we had a lot of discussion about this as a bunch of veterinarians of when the young adult stage should end. And we decided that it should be around three to four years of age. And the key thing there was about the social maturity is you all know that dogs can be goofballs for quite a long period of time. And, and uh, their behavior definitely affects how we treat them and how we need to puppy proof and young, uh, young teenager proof a house. So that's why we extended the young adulthood up to about three or four years of age when they're a little bit more sensible. So they've done growing physically, and now they've done doing a lot of really rapid growing emotionally as well. Then we get into mature adult, and that's when they're done doing their physical growth and their emotional and social growth. And so the last 25% of the amount of time we think they're going to live. So the last 25% of their estimated lifespan. Now, Obviously, that can vary significantly. We can have a Chihuahua or a miniature poodle, a small breed dog, where they're estimated to live quite a long time, whereas some of the amazing dogs like Great Danes and Bulldogs don't necessarily have a long lifespan. So that's why understanding the, the different breeds your dog is made up can help you understand when the mature life stage ends and when we start tipping over into the senior life stage. And the senior life stage is the last estimated 25% of the lifespan of, of the dog through the time that they enter the end of life stage. The wow. end of life stage is, is when it's just what it says. The end of life stage, though, can vary. It doesn't necessarily have to be when they're, when they're older. They can have, unfortunately, have a, a terminal illness early on in their lives. But for the majority of our, of our dogs, it is after that senior life stage. You know what I like about this and the way Heather's explaining it? There's a lot of thought that went into it with you veterinarians. Absolutely. It really is. And I can identify totally with this with <laughs> patients that I see every day. And I see a bunch of patients. But I like the five stages. Yeah. That and you I described. like the way she People broke can it down. identify with that. I Absolutely. Believe. Our listening audience, they're, they're with you. They're there. Okay. You mentioned breed specifics. Right. So why do we need to consider breed specifics when determining individualized care at all these life? I mean, you, you kind of touched on it, but I want you to, you know, get into a little bit. I mean, like, for example, the, the greatest example you gave was the bulldog right. and the Great Dane, who both you really have an estimated lifespan of about eight years, unlike a Shih Tzu who can live up to 21 years. So that's exactly. like crazy. Right. They're, they're almost different species when you think about it. And if you were to, um, if you were to look at them under um, a CT scan or an MRI where you can peel off their, their skin and their fur and look at just what their bodies look like, there's a huge difference between 
what the body of a bulldog looks like, what the body of a Great Dane looks like, and what the body of a Shih Tzu looks like, even though they're all dogs. So the, the bulldog, if you think of their faces, yes, they have acute faces with those big eyes, but all of the rest of them in their face is, um, is very complicated. Um, their airways, um, their noses, uh, their the, uh, GI tract, their skin, they are a very complicated dog um, and require a lot of extra veterinary care that, that some people don't necessarily realize they do when they first get that bulldog puppy. You compare that to, um, to we'll, we'll go with Great Dane again. The fact that they get so large and grow so quickly predisposes them to a lot of other complicated illnesses around their, um, their GI tracts, their stomachs actually can flip. And, uh, and that can, that's one of the very, uh, it's a big, huge emergency in, in the big dog an world. expensive right? emergency. And it is, it is absolutely. And it's not that it can't happen in other breeds of dogs, but Great Danes are sort of the poster children for that. Um, and then Shih Tzus are wonderful little little dogs as well, but they since they're they're longer body dogs, they're more predisposed to uh, back problems um, as well. So there's sort of like every breed has a thing that 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 as veterinarians, and my kids do this all the time. They'll see a dog, and be like, "Mommy, what kind of dog is that?" And I'll tell them what I think it is, and then they'll immediately jump to, "Okay, well, what's wrong with it?" And, brain, and veterinarians, unfortunately, young. yeah, we, we can pick out different issues that could hit that different um, breed of dog. So this is why it's so important to have regular communications with your veterinarian. You may have done a great job researching your the breed that you're interested in, but veterinarians, we have, and Dr. Fleck can attest to this as well, our experience and the wealth of experience that we've been trained on really does help us individualize care, not just for the the life stage, but also for the little, the little quirks that each breed or breed mix can have. Fantastic. Oh my God. What a great presentation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Lozner. And I'm sure our listening audiences, they're going to find information that you've presented really helpful. I do. You got Absolutely. it. We're going to have any day, anytime. Okay. Thanks everyone. Okay. Stay safe. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. So, Dr. Fleck, that was a great interview with Dr. Lozner. It's always nice having Dr. Heather here. But as you know, it's always too soon to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about pet safety in the home, specifically having to do with your washer and dryer and how to prevent human injuries when walking your dog because it's National Dog Walking Month. And then lastly, understanding your cat's language. Special thanks to our guests, Beth Edelman, Dr. Eric Turgeny, and Dr. Heather Lozner. Great. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Take advantage of that 25% when you go to the EpiPet website. That's E-P-I-P-E-T.com. Put in, look through the site, get some great products, and put in the pet buzz as your code and get 25% off. And if you have any questions, write to us at team at petbuzz.com. We'll try to cover it on next week's show. No, we will cover it on, we next, will we'll cover cover it on, on next, next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as listen to your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Link Podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you 
take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. (laughs) I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.